Good evening, and you're very welcome back to Final Whistle here. It's the Women's National League podcast on Final Whistle with myself, Breffney Early, and of course, Aaron Clark joins me again. Aaron, you're very welcome back. Good afternoon, or good evening, should I say. How are we? It's definitely evening. I don't know where you've been. I know you've been in different time zones over the last week or two uh, in Albania and whatnot. Uh, the weather is probably coming into your equation there as well because it's been uh, we'll, that will come up. We're also going to be joined by Maeve de Borca. Uh, of course, no, needs no introduction to anybody who's followed the women's game in the country for the last number of I was going to say decades. That's not very nice. Maybe I apologize. She's listening in the background. But uh, definitely for the last few years, at least, uh, no stranger to anyone who follows Galway football or also uh, to the Irish team. Uh, well, capped a half centurion. She'll be joining us to talk about all things women's football. We'll be chatting about Galway United season. We'll be chatting about the Irish qualification and promotion to Group A of the Nations League, but also, uh, and more pressingly, uh, considering the second episode airs at 9.30 this evening, the brand new women's soccer edition of The Underdogs. It's a brand new series from TG Cahar, and they've finally taken on the female version of the beautiful game. They've obviously done former uh, series on, uh, I was going to say hockey there, but it's not. It's hurling, Gaelic football, um, and other sports. So nice to see them kind of embrace women's football this year in what has been a, a pretty historic year for the sport in the country. So we'll be chatting to her very, very shortly. But Aaron, first of all, before we do that, we'll get Maeve's opinion on this in due course. But uh, have you uh, managed to uh, dry yourself out from what looked like an absolute monsoon in uh, in Albania on Tuesday night? Funny thing is that it didn't even get wet. <laughs> That's the funny thing about it. And I had one, I had a friend of mine actually texted me when I sent him a picture being like, you must be drenched. I was like, nope, it was undercover. Um, what, a, what a night. Where do we start, Brefney? Um I know we'll talk about the Albania game at home as well, but like, where, what a, what a mad chaotic. The words are just. I've never seen anything like it, it, it and I wasn't even there. I was just watching the, the screens from home, and I don't even think RTE knew how to deal with it. Um, it was just a, a mad, mad evening. Maybe I let's had get some, some great fun. crack on social media. Though, I'm not going to lie, especially being being one of the only journalists in, in the stadium. You know, everybody's pawing onto every word you say, every tweet you make, and it was just, it was just absolutely chaotic. It was just, it was fun. That's all I'd say. As much as it was as didn't know what was happening, but it was, it, it all adds to the excitement. And it's one of them trips you'll talk about for a long time. I think it was fun because you stayed dry. I'm not sure the players would agree with having to play about 20 minutes in probably the worst weather I've ever seen in my life, and I've seen some pretty bad weather uh, over the years. But maybe let's get uh, the opinion of Maeve de Burke, of course, part of the RT commentary team for the Women's Internationals this year, the World Cup included. Um, your thoughts on the on the game on Tuesday night, first of all, Maeve. Um, first of all, welcome to the show. But uh, in terms of your thoughts on the game on Tuesday night, um, have you seen it like that before? No, the only thing it kind of brought back memories for me of was when we played the uh, playoff in Iceland on a frozen pitch where we couldn't even run on it. We had, we skidded everywhere and obviously the game went ahead in that case and we lost. But um, that's the only thing that I suppose it, it did bring back memories of that. But no, the, the game itself it cra- it was crazy, but it was crazy. I think how quickly it escalated as well, because at the start, the pitch was totally playable and then I'd say within probably about around 20 minute mark, around 20 to 30 minutes, it really got got very bad. And, and the end, I couldn't leave like the last 10 minutes of the first half was played in those conditions. I think I so many. Should it have been called earlier than halftime? Yeah, it was like you have to just think of the player welfare in that case. Like if someone got a serious injury, you know, it, the, the pitch wasn't playable. So once it became unplayable, I think, you know, it should have been called off. But that's easy to say in hindsight. But when you're the ref in the middle of it, you know, you have a lot of factors to consider as well. 
I'm going to throw a couple of nuggets in there for you as well. There was thunder and lightning as well. Before, the, yeah. as the game was actually being played, like it started at one stage, it started off to, if you look from the, from where the TV cameras were, it started off to the left-hand side. And by the end of the game, the thunder and lightning was on the right-hand side. Never actually hit the pitch, but like even things like that, with a with a wet surface like that, thunder and lightning isn't good. And like when you're looking at it getting worse, you can visibly see it. Like I don't think at times looking at some of the pictures on the TV, it probably done it justice as to what it actually, how bad it actually was. Like it was gradually, like it was just getting so bad. And like, I think the first 20 minutes, there was no water on the pitch. All of a sudden a puddle, two puddles, three puddles. Like we were, we were in the stadium and in, in mesmerized that it was continuing to be played. And like, when you're looking at, at, the, at this sort of thing, your question then comes into, if it was a league A game, does it, does it get stopped? And you're probably saying, yes. Was it because they were under pressure to play the game? Potentially, but what happens if a player had picked up a serious injury there? Like who's who who's liable? The UEFA, the FAI. Like it's there's so many tangibles and variables there that like I think though if the referee had a call that early in the first half, I don't think we get back for the second half. I think this, the game is played the next day. I think Boyhor actually getting the half time, it actually allowed them a little bit of time. But even when the rain delay was on, like at times the rain would ease up, they clear a couple of puddles off the park, and then all of a sudden it would hit again. Like the biggest problem was is the surface was quite hard, so it wasn't actually soaking up the water. It was just sort of puddling on the top of it. And even when when they went out and they seen them putting like pitchforks into the ground to try and to clear some of it, it wasn't. The funny thing is, when you look at the, the pictures, the far side of the pitch, they never actually touched. Everything was on the near side. Is where they were sweeping it all off because it seemed it wasn't draining on this side. But, like, listen, when, when, you, when you get that second half underway... I take a one nil win and run all day of the week. I think it's it's one of the hardest things to to concentrate. Like I spoke to players after, and they were saying like they showered and all. They were they, they were in tracksuits, thinking they were getting back on the bus, and then news started to filter through. Like the referee came out and looked at about forty minutes into the delay and was like, "Remove the top layer, layer of water and we'll, we'll play." And that's when we sort of realised this game is getting back underway. I think there was a lot of confusion even amongst with RTA when the game was going to come back, when it was going to come back because. There was talks being sent that it was going to have come back at 8 o'clock Irish time. Then I think it resumed at like 20 past, 10 past, seven, quarter past 7 Irish time. So there was a lot of, you know, uncertainty in the ground. Like we weren't being told anything apart from the FAI's social media account, really. Yeah, so we had the same situation. I missed the first 10 minutes of the second half because it took me that long just to work out what was happening. Um, from your point of view, Maeve, uh, looking at the international team for the last few months, um, what's your thoughts on where we've gone let's not get dragged into anything about the world cup that's kind of been talked about at length but since the appointment of eileen gleason on an interim basis a couple of new players coming into the team we've seen the return of tyler toland caitlin hayes has come in made a really big impression uh kira caruso has really grown into that role katie mccabe has been on fire denise sullivan chipped in with that phenomenal um goal at the death on on tuesday night what's your thoughts on on how it's gone for ireland and is there something you would have expected ireland to be able to produce uh, at this level yeah, I suppose can't really um, factor in too much. Only you know, with the the opposition is is a huge thing you have to that comes into play. You know, the teams that we're playing um, have or have been playing over the last kind of couple of months. But it is, yeah, it's great to see. But you know, even the likes of um, Carusa, 
again, if, if we're playing a stronger opposition, her role just immediately changes to one where she's holding the ball up and, and chasing balls into the channels. Whereas obviously when we have the majority of the possession and we're playing two up front where, you know, with Katie right, right beside her really, then definitely it helps. And um, yeah, I suppose it's something um, we, yeah, I could have seen it just like said, just given the opposition that we are playing against. But at the same time, you know, we can only play what's in front of you too. And um, to have gotten, you know, the, the wins under the belt at this stage is great. Um, they'd be disappointed not to have kept the clean sheet, I think, at home to Albania. But, you know, you're never going to, it's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be things to work on. And um, I think it's been, yeah, so far so good. Definitely um, the addition of Caitlin Hayes in particular um, has been really positive because she just adds another kind of dimension to the back, back line there. Her passing range is um, incredible. I don't think we've seen that really um in an Ireland jersey re recently just the way she can particularly her diagonal switches from the back out to the left side um are really really good to watch so yeah all positive I think going forward and um Eileen has done done a good job of them it's very easy to have a nice diagonal ball when uh, Katie McCabe's at the end of it as well it's a nice target to have um in terms of I suppose where we're going from here, obviously we've gone to the last two games as favourites. Myself and Aaron have spoken about how uh, anything less than six wins out of six would have been seen as a question mark about against this kind of opposition. But to be fair to this Irish side, uh, averted disaster on Tuesday night in, with that late goal, but it's been methodical. It's been really solid and they've performed and they've produced and they've they've really wiped the floor with with all three sides in the group so far. Yeah, they haven't. I suppose in the past we would have struggled to put goals away and numbers of goals, you know, like that. It would usually be just uh, maybe a one or two nil win. Now, obviously, the game to away to Albania is that just I wouldn't have really classified it as as a proper game as such to analyse. But um, aside from that, they've obviously been able to put the the ball in the back of the net a few times in each game, and and that's been a really positive thing. And I think it's good for the attackers as well to kind of get that confidence and just to be able to work on the sort of um, you know, combination playing that in the final third, which you obviously don't get a chance to do when you don't have the ball um, against a stronger team. So at least you may kind of hope that we might see a bit more of that now when we do face a stronger opposition in the new year. So just on that then, Brefney, obviously for the listeners, Ireland do qualify for League A for the fact of Hungary and Northern Ireland drawing Ireland two games. I'd expect a bit of change in the group in terms of players just because of the last the last two games with the fact of being already qualified the northern ireland game confirmed for windsor park as well which is great also assured a playoff as well for for the next european championships which is which is massive and if we if we were to finish say first or second in league a we'd automatically qualify for the for the euros as well so like there's so much to play for the the playoff permutations we'll get into them another day when when thing, when the draws happen and stuff like that and we know where our teams are but like the fact you can say we have a playoff we, we have a chance of getting to the next european championships and like i'd expect ireland to improve massively if you if you look back at the two games over against albania i don't think we were great i think we were we were sloppy at times the first got when we go ahead against albania at home and then get pegged back that 20 minutes after that was sort of a bit a bit how would you say ropey I think the addition of Sinead Farrelly at halftime at a, at a home game was massive. And like you look at the game on Tuesday, that sort of game wasn't made for the likes of a Sinead Farrelly just because of the fact of the condition. She, she couldn't really pass the ball around. It was more like kicking up buckets of water. And then for me, the second half, what, what was what was the important thing is the fact that they ground out the result. They pushed for opportunities. They, they created chances. 
they just weren't going to drop to them on, on many of Ireland teams. They would have just said, okay, listen, it's not happening tonight. It's, we're going to go away with an ill all draw. We'll just take it. It's not the worst of result considering the, the circumstances. But the fact that they were able to just get a, get onto their front foot and, and, and continue to go, like the goal itself, it's a lovely cross. From, it's a good cross from Izzy, from the, the, takes the throw in, plays a 1-2 and then and gets, a, gets it back and, and crosses it. Nice touch from Keir Carusa and then Denise O'Sullivan just being Denise O'Sullivan and, and coming up with clutch moments for Ireland. And like, you, you just think of the magnitude and the importance of, of that three points. And I think that's what really sets them apart is the fact that they're, they're seeing games out a lot more to the end. And they are trying to do things. No, no, it's not perfect. It's it's far from perfect. But they're trying to do things that maybe in the last campaign we were sitting back deep, we were holding. Like if it was to be it was to be critical of the of the Albania second half, she had two holding midfielders on when she had Jamie and, and Jamie and Tyler both sitting holding. Probably could have didn't necessarily need that, but was it a case of just not wanting to be caught in the counter and like there's lots of lots of work on there's lots of lots of good things that have come out with these first four games and like you just have to be happy to be on 12 points yeah what can we expect to see Maeve um in the the last two games in your opinion do we see a a very changed Ireland side do we see maybe opportunities for the likes of Hayley Nolan even some of the girls who haven't had much of a chance impressing at club level but just haven't managed to have that breakthrough in an Irish shirt is that likely to happen or are we likely to see more of the same and just close out the the, the campaign I think it could be kind of maybe a, a bit of a mix. Um, I don't think she'll like completely change the starting eleven, but at the same time, you're never going to get a better opportunity. Like you're, I mean, if you never played competitive games where we don't need a result, like the results don't actually, you know, essentially matter. Um, in a way, obviously, yeah, they want to keep building the confidence, keep the wins, and keep the clean sheets. But um, at the end of the day, um, it doesn't actually matter. So, um, I think it'd be great to see a few of the girls introduced and introduced from the start as well. You know, at least um. It's different when you're coming on the pitch at half time or into a game, whereas you know, getting the opportunity to start um, it would be great. Um, it's a bit disappointing that Erin McLaughlin's first start was in the conditions it was over in Albania. So it'd be nice to see her get another chance, maybe because she just, you know, was a really difficult game to have an impact in. Um, and yeah, like you said, just a few of the, the newer girls just to kind of blood them in going in, into the new campaign as well. But I think, um, I think it shouldn't be a complete overhaul because often in the past, when You'd be giving girls chances it might be like in a friendly tournament and the entire team nearly would change and then that's that's very difficult for them so um i think yeah hopefully see maybe three or four changes something like that from the start would be nice just just to give them like certain opportunities but then at the same time you kind of it does give a bit of continuity and and chance to work on like the likes of um you know katie and care up front would you want to change that either would you want to give them a bit more time together too so um yeah there's pros and cons i suppose it's really up to eileen and, and what she sees fit what's it like though may for an ex-senior international when you're watching on with this group you know the last 12 12 to 18 months what's it been like watching on when when you're seeing the success they've had considering you know you've talked about even playing games in Iceland where the pitch is frozen and stuff like that to, to where we were to where they are now. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Although <laughs> looking back on, and, and Tuesday night, there might, maybe might have been that much progress in terms of the, the pitches. But I uh, know in fairness, they have um, definitely developed. And um, I think it's just the, the support and the backing as well behind them. And um, I suppose watching on really that the best side of it would be just the fact that there's more publicity and more kind of support around the team now, which 
um, is obviously um, going to have a knock-on effect on the younger kids playing, and that's kind of where we need it to happen. Um, the downside is, the, I suppose, the lack of uh, women's National League players in the um, squad at the moment. Um, only like one or none is the, the usual amount at the moment, but then I suppose maybe you can argue that uh, National League is serving its purpose and it's just developing the girls a lot quicker than it would have in the past and they're getting um you know plenty of minutes and game time at an earlier age with the underage um leagues and in that case then they're they're ready to go abroad at an earlier stage too so um i think it's um it's definitely it's a good thing i suppose in that case but um the the league itself is always good to keep kind of promoting that as well as as the girls and the national team but it is has been great to see and yeah it's it's nice watching on just and um, to be able to kind of um, support them as well and um, hopefully now you know to get to another Euros would really be a huge huge thing because you wouldn't want qualifying for a major tournament to be a once-off and uh, to have a Euros where people could travel obviously you're over um, in Australia Aaron, but to have uh, uh, Euros in Europe obviously um, would mean a huge huge fan base as well and um, obviously in Sydney there was huge numbers of the Irish so it'd be great um, to give I suppose the, a lot of people at home who've been following the team for years as well, I kind of uh, give a lot of them an opportunity to go and support the girls too. When you look back at a games that like the Aviva, the Northern Ireland game and the Aviva, I know you've played in games against Northern Ireland where there was maybe uh, triple figures at, at a push. If you, and if you take out family and friends, uh, it's a scattering of people, coaches and all that sort of stuff around the game uh, where literally everybody knew everybody in the ground. Is there a little bit of jealousy when you look back at it and go, I would have liked to have played in days like this? Uh, no, I wouldn't say um, jealousy. It's more, it's it's different times, really. Like, it's just, it just was the times that, that we were in at, at the time. And um, every time you're, you're representing Ireland really is, is special. So um, obviously the, the, the occasions like the Viva, it's, but it's not, um, it's just, it's great to see it, it developing. Like you wouldn't want it to stay in the past too. And you, you want it to keep moving forward and, and the game to develop, like I said, for, for the younger kids and um, to see the role models there that, that we wouldn't have seen just again, because of, of times, um, you know, because of how times were, but I wouldn't go back and change the thing really, you know, in terms of um, everyone has their own kind of journey they're on and that type of thing. And um you know, I really enjoyed all, all the many years um, I spent with the team. I also enjoying the free time now when I, um, when every you know um, spare minute isn't isn't uh, spent thinking about football or playing football. So it's it's um, no, it's just it's a it's positive watching on. I think and been able to support the girls. Okay. Uh, also, mentioned on that day in the Aviva, you weren't necessarily not involved, maybe not on the pitch, but there was a, a presentation of caps to every single player who'd ever represented the, the country at national level, and you were all invited in and presented with a, a kind of, a, I think, a special cap and a kind of a, a presentation of that. Um, talk to us about that event just before we move away from the international stuff. Um, enjoyable, nice to be part of? Yeah, it was really good. Um, it was great for them to kind of, um, I suppose, give the recognition, like I said there, to, to all the girls who would have um, represented the national team at senior level in the past. And um, many girls from, I suppose, a good few years before my time, they wouldn't have actually received a physical cap. Um, so for them, it was even more special, I think, to actually hold um, the cap for the first time. Um, you know, I'm sure for them was was really a special moment. And uh, obviously each season I played, um, we got, got a cap for that. So it was nice, so kind of to see a lot of familiar faces as well and to kind of reminisce about, about the good times and, and the crack we had representing, um, you know, Ireland. And also just to, to see how many people like were there as well that you mightn't have necessarily known or even other um, 
women from Galway who represented Ireland who I wouldn't have you know crossed paths with that regularly either it was good to kind of have that event and it was really really well run event as well by the FEI in fairness and they put on a um, full kind of breakfast spread for us and um, we each went up then and collected our cap and obviously then got the tickets to the game as well so yeah it was a good day overall. I like that. I like that. I like. I like the the whole idea about it. And like even you, you've mentioned the Aviva Breffney. I think League A is definitely going to give us an opportunity to have more games in the Aviva. Probably multiple games in the Aviva. I'm going to go on the record. I'd love a crack at England in the Aviva and then play one something like somewhere like Wembley, just to say we haven't done it in a long time. It'd be a perfect idea that opportunity. But like, may for me. With what we're seeing now with everything that you're doing away from, and I know we're going to touch on the other stuff in, in a moment. Is the footballing days behind you now, or are you, do you still hold that little ambition of, of playing a, a little bit more? Or, or where are we when it comes to the likes of playing for yourself? Um, not too sure, to be honest. I, I took a, a break there probably two years ago at this stage to go traveling, and I uh, haven't gone back to the to the football yet i've just playing a bit of gaelic football still with my local club here st michael's but um the soccer days are i don't know i'm on a hiatus still i don't know whether that's a permanent one or not um um but at the moment i suppose i just i'm enjoying being able to travel and um, i work fully remote as well my job my day job so i can kind of work from anywhere which gives me a lot of flexibility and uh, obviously a flexibility that i wouldn't have had in the past so uh, in between the dates or filament with underdogs i can kind of go and um got a trip to america in for a while and worked a little bit over there and then i was in paris recently as well so it's kind of i suppose all those things considered it's hard to to go back um to football at the moment but um i'm not kind of writing it off maybe down the line um it might i might go back to it who knows and even even in terms of like when you when you look at i guess as Breffney's coming in, coming in and now and out, out there. When you look at say things like Galway and at the minute, you know, does that sort of does that give you any sort of an itch or an or itch or because you see what the men are doing in the first winning the first division and the women winning the All Ireland Cup? Does that sort of how is it watching on and seeing all that, seeing the success in Galway? Does that not does that spur you on? Um, yeah, it's great to see it, and like obviously as a supporter, it's great to see it, but um. I know that I suppose single-handedly the amount of work that goes in as well and the commitment of, you know, you're three days on the pitch and you're, you know, a night or two other nights on your own training as well. And then obviously not to mention the the treks around Ireland uh, to Ferry Carrick Park <laughs> was never my favourite. We used to always seem to, to get them away in every cup going um, while I was playing anyway. But um, no, it is, yeah, it's, it is great to see it. Um, you know, you'd love to see and really push on in the league as well. Um, I think one thing, and even what was missing in my um, nine seasons as well as a goal scorer um, for goal, you know, and a regular goal scorer. So um, I think that's just the one kind of maybe the missing piece. Um, if we could get that, I think would really go on to, to great success. But it was, yeah, it was great to see them win the All-Ireland Cup, definitely because uh, it was a long time kind of waiting for some kind of silverware in Galway. So yeah, it was about time. I had the pleasure. So, first of all, apologies for dropping out just a dodgy internet connection tonight, but uh, I did have the pleasure of co commentating on that, uh, probably because the likes of yourself He's were all uh, on the other side of the planet uh, following the, the Women's World Cup. Um, in terms, Maeve, of let's talk about the underdogs. I don't know if I might have dropped out there again, sorry, but um, let's talk about the underdogs for a minute because um, that's obviously it's a huge focus now coming into the end of the season. Um, 
really successful launch to it last week. I loved the first episode. Uh, it was as emotional as I've ever seen any story on uh, Pop Idol or X Factor or anything like that. It just kept coming up with this emotional tearjerker after tearjerker. We might be missing it again. I think he, I think he's got. I think he's got again. But I think you. I think what he was probably trying to say is from from your side though. Like, Maeve, what's that? What's it been like starting filming and things like that with the underdogs? Yeah, it was great. And um, we started back in the middle of June actually. So um, I was in Peru at the time when I, I got the call, um, and I I intended to keep traveling, but. Then I weighed up the opportunity, I suppose, and um, that combined with the possible, possibility of working with, with RT for the World Cup as well. I thought it was kind of the time to to come back um, to Ireland for a while at least. So, um, yeah, it was great. We got going in June, actually. Um, so I think we got a lot of abuse in the first episode for we were all wearing sunglasses, but it was actually the hottest day of the year and we were there. We really needed needed them. But anyway, um, it was good. Yeah, we had some some good sunny days um, in, the, in the first kind of couple episodes filming. And then, um, yeah, it's just it's been really interesting to see, I suppose, how they go about it and how the, the TV the show kind of is kind of how it's produced as well and um, edited and that type of thing, because we um did about we do about 12 hours maybe of, of work for 10 minutes of tv so it's incredible really um yeah the, the first day was you know we had so many trials and, and callbacks and that type of thing or we were in the room there for about i think four maybe actually it was up to six hours i think um giving the girls the news and it was on tv for i'd say less than six minutes so um it's so at that type of thing it's it's just it's interesting to see um we're a little apprehensive i think the three of us coaches before the first episode because we'd only seen snippets as well that had been on social media so we weren't sure how how we might be portrayed because the camera's always on us when the girls are, are playing as well. So you wouldn't know what might slip out now and again, you know, when you're when you're watching the games. So um yeah, but it, like I said there, Breffney, I think it was a great first episode to kick off. In terms of some I'm of the not players. gonna lie, Breffney. Sorry, just over. I haven't seen the first episode. Yeah, I've been hectic the last week. I, will, I do plan on, I do plan on catching up. I'll watch the first and then I'll watch the second one. So don't worry, I will have the full details for next week. So don't worry, Rafi. <laughs> uh, that's a black mark against your name. Uh, talk to me. Suji Kahar player anyway, so it's always available on there. Who has impressed you? Because I know there's some girls who you may know from your own playing days. Uh, the likes of Barbara O'Connell is there and uh, a few others from a fairly wide range of, of ages. Uh, what players have impressed you? And are there some we haven't maybe just haven't quite seen enough of yet? Yeah, there's um, there's definitely some quality players there, and some who would have played in the league like um, a good few years ago. Now, obviously, the criteria is that they can't have played in the last three seasons, but um, there is a few girls who would have played before that. Um, uh, obviously, from Galway, there's the likes of Eva Walsh and um, Cara Mullins, who who appeared in the first episode there, and um, Shauna Jackson as well, who um, would have played in the past. And um, yeah, like you mentioned, Barbara, she's um, she would be the the most experienced of of the group. And and there's even younger girls like Taylor Massey, who would have played for Shelburne underage and never played in the senior women's national league. So there's a huge kind of age age range and just variation on. Um, experience and some girls who you know who never um, played in the league or who don't necessarily want to play in the league but just that are trying to really push on their game as well and um, you know a lot of them have different reasons for entering the show and uh, or the, the, the TV show so um, yeah it's just been it's been good to kind of and it'll be interesting I think for viewers to follow all their journeys as well 
bit of a bit of a just I want to get a delve in a little bit when you're talking about players like that. Cup, there's a bit of a two prong question. First part, did you like you see because you mentioned a couple of players there? Did you expect the interest to be so high in terms of because? The criteria is a bit of a difficult one with the fact that it's three years. It's quite a long time to be able to. Did you expect it to be so high? And do you do you think from from seeing these players that they'll really sort of shock a lot of people because you you you've got to work first time with them because I've we've been we've been able to watch the likes of Barbara O'Connell. We know what Barbara O'Connell is like, but this this players you mentioned there, Taylor Massey, been in and around shells, hasn't got a look in. Shauna Jackson seen a bit of her playing. You know, there's players we've seen playing. Do you think that? With the time away, they're going to put in a, a surprise a few people. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, there's definitely like that. A lot of them. I mean, the, the interest initially was crazy. Like I thought when it first came out, I, I was throwing around a few texts because I was afraid that maybe you know girls mightn't apply or, or the interest might be there. But it was incredible. Like the list we had to go through at the start, the the thing had to be cut down even before trials. You know, there were hundreds of applicants and. And we had to, to shortlist them for trials even, you know, before we couldn't invite everyone to trial because there was just way, just so many applicants, like hundreds of applicants. So um, that was a really, really positive thing to see. And I suppose the one thing about it as well is that you had to um, apply yourself. You couldn't have been invited. So I suppose as Irish people, it's hard to nearly put your hand up and say like, that. oh, you're right. I think I'm good enough for this. And um, so that's, a, I think, a lot of credit has to go even to the girls themselves for applying and kind of putting themselves forward because it's not easy, um, especially when you know the cameras are going to be there and the kind of ins and outs of the show where you might end up being eliminated on, on national tv isn't really um something that a lot of people would want to sign up for but um yeah the, the standard was very high initially over the trials it was a little bit mixed but then when it got to, back to the the second day when we called them back it was uh did prove a lot, very hard to kind of narrow it down and um in each episode then it gets even harder because you have to let you know one or two people go each week um the first elimination will be in tonight's episode and that's when it gets very hard because you also get to know the girls um personally as well and you know get to know them as people and um i think that's when it gets it actually gets progressively harder um i think throughout each training camp because you don't really want to kind of end the journey for someone who's put in a lot of effort to get there you've just piqued my interest there on some the trials how did you cut them down to decide who comes to the trials and stuff like that? What was that like for you? Because obviously we're saying there's hundreds and you can probably only bring, what, maybe 40, 50 to a trial. How did you cut them down to, for the first two to get to the trial and then cutting them down for the second to when they'll actually go into the camps and stuff like that? How did you go about that? And like, talk to us a little bit about that sort of process because I'm, I'm intrigued because with such high numbers. Yeah, there was each each um, applicant had to send in an application form and, you know, part of it was their football experience and other parts was their story behind it as well. And so I suppose um, myself and Laura would have looked just purely based on the, the football side. And, you know, I suppose if a girl had never played football before and was looking, you know, to use this as her first opportunity to play, then it wasn't really the show for her because we knew that the standard we knew you know what this we knew certain players straight off so um we knew kind of what the benchmark of the standard would be like and um i think just based off that you're able to kind of i suppose cut a few girls unfortunately just not not that wouldn't have been at the level and it wouldn't have been you know um to anyone's benefit to invite them to try so it kind of it wasn't too bad because we did get to, to look at a lot of players we just did um just played we didn't do any like um you know drills or anything it was just all matches for the trials 
and um yeah if we saw anything at all then we we invite them back um for the second day and um you kind of you could tell because like that you know you knew you knew um a few of the girls already and you knew what kind of standard they were at so you could kind of compare them then off that so yeah it was a long process but i think we we made the right decisions i don't know it's yeah. Were there any other considerations other than football? Because I know uh, there's some really good characters on the show in terms of some of the, the participants. And I suppose no more than yourself, I've worked with a, a fair few number of girls over the last two decades. Uh, Stephanie Bowden would be one of them, would have been involved with the Leinster College's side back uh, maybe 10, 12, 15 years ago. Um, great character then, even better character now. Uh, were you aware, did you know Stephanie before the show and how much has she impressed you? Yeah, I would have come across her before and um, just in football circles, I suppose. And obviously she was on Operation Transformation as well. So um, people would have known her off that too, um, which is actually I think part of the reason she ran 12K before the match. She had already signed up to that um, um, before one of the trials. But um, yeah, I, um, yeah, she was a, she's a good character to have around. And um, no, I mean, we, we factored in as, as coaches purely on, on the football side, really. Um, obviously, for the, the TV, they would want characters like any, um, but in like any, I suppose, producers would. But um, also as part of a team, I think it's important to have, you know, a lot of uh, different characters. And because we've, uh, we do have a pretty big squad, we kind of have um, room for, you know, like a variation of different personalities and that type of thing. So there's definitely a good mix there. And um, it does make for uh, interesting watching as well. Without going into to much details in terms of the ins and outs of the episodes that are still to come, like what are their meetings like when you're sitting in a meeting? And, you know, you're trying to decide a player, a player's future because you talked about sitting there for hours upon hours. Like, how difficult are they? And has there been anybody who you'd sent the text message to without naming anybody who maybe you had to say no to? You know, and because there's no doubt this with this, this, this difficult decisions. Well, there is no text message sent anyway, so that would have been probably an easier thing. It was all face to face. So um, even with the girls um, the, for the callbacks, there was 40 of them and we gave each of them 15 minutes, I think. So you can uh, do the maths and that. There's a lot of hours spent in that room. But um, yeah, so we, we kind of each of them, we told, you know, we went through. But um, like I said, it's really the eliminations part um, where you're sitting down. It's kind of almost X Factor style where there's three coaches and there's three girls up for um, elimination face to face that's when um you know when you can imagine the i suppose the tension of the cameras as well just adds to it and um yeah it's, some of them are, are really difficult i found one of them in particular very very difficult that i was um yeah it was even the next week um it's all i kind of thought about the following week so it's difficult because it's not like it is very much reality although it is tv um the producers they don't stage anything we're not we're not it's not scripted it's it's very much as it happens and and how we see fit if um you know unfortunately if the girl isn't up, up to it to football standard and kind of the three of us if we decide between us that um that we feel that it's time for them to leave then that's kind of the decision that will be made and um, the the producers don't really um impacted in that way or or stage it at all so um it makes it yeah it, I suppose it's, it is reality but it, it makes it hard because yeah like I said you get to know the girls personally as well and you're together a lot like you know we, the training camps were three days together um each month initially for the first I think four or five of the camps uh, or four or four of the camps and then we did then that we're doing the we're on episode six at the moment so we're on the, the fifth training camp which is over three days so 
spread spread over three weekends so but you do yeah you spend a lot of time together so you kind of yeah you get to know the girls and all of them are great um characters as well you mentioned the x factor if you had to pair yourself up with a judge that you're most like from any of those tv shows uh, where would you fit on that equation are you more <laughs> Louis Walsh or Simon Cowell or somewhere in between I, I wouldn't like to, to classify myself like Simon Cowell anyway although I think I was turned into a bad cop there for yeah. for a while but I don't think I fit the role that well um but I'd say somewhere in between like it's it's hard because you know like you think no you think it's an easy decision but then when you're there and you have to you know tell the tell the girls and, and they have to to fight their cause as well while you're in the room and you know our decisions can change based off what they're saying to even um you know before while, while we're in the room and um, we can kind of um decide based off of what they're telling us as well so um yeah i don't know <laughs> i don't think i'd fit any of any of those characters too much but maybe by the end of it you'll you'll be able to characterize me into one of them i don't know he, he'll definitely have your characterized at the end it depends on what yeah if our parts are shown on, on the tv like i said it could be could be made into oh, the yeah. bad it's all, in, it's all in the edit oh yeah we've heard that yeah, exactly how did, how did you prep for this mate but did you watch many of the other series to sort of see how the coaches got on or, or things like that or how did you because you know we've seen you doing a lot of tv stuff when it comes to rte and stuff like that done some of the games on tg car and stuff like that how did you prep because this is completely different to probably something you're stepping out your norm as well a bit here Oh yeah, I mean this is is nothing um like kind of what I, I would have done before. Obviously for for games and stuff you have a set way now of, of preparing and just you know it's it's all kind of factual and that type of thing. But no, I watched the first uh, I watched one of the series just the first kind of couple of episodes just to have the idea of what was kind of involved in it because I had seen them before, but it was a good few years ago at this stage and obviously I wasn't kind of like analyzing it in detail so it was more to see how the kind of trials process worked and that type of thing um and obviously that the irish side i hadn't hadn't spoken in a good while because I'd, I'd been traveling for the year previous as well so i was speaking more spanish in my head than than irish on the first day of the of the trials as I, I was getting a bit mixed up but um you know that that came back as well like when you're surrounded by um the guayagoras you kind of um you do get get it back a bit more so um, I don't think there was too much prep um, to be done because, yeah, like I said, it's just really um, outside of the, the, the cameras. Um, you know, you're just doing how, how you would usually with, with a team. Um, obviously, maybe from coach's perspective, we don't have as much time on a pitch working with them um, because there is a lot of like team building stuff and kind of like even tonight washing cows and that type of thing, which I wouldn't have usually, you know, implemented into to teams training and that type of thing. But um, it's definitely been a, a really like big learning experience. And I think as coaches, we just have to find ways of kind of getting our messages across in the most efficient way because of the lack of kind of time on the pitch with them as well. Well, let's see if we can get some spoilers out of you. I saw a trailer for the, a trailer for this uh, week's episode where the big reveal of who you'd play in the final game Um Obviously, Tichy Carr based in Galway. Uh, you're a Galway person. There was a heavy presence from the underdogs at the Avenir Sports Cup final. Uh, can we get a, a spoiler out of maybe who they're going to play, or is that wait for another hour or two to find out? Well, I do reveal it, yeah, on tonight's show. I think um, I was given the, the task of actually naming the team or that we'd be playing for that particular reason, because, yeah, we'll be playing Galway United on the 2nd of September, of December even. Um, so, yeah, it's one I'm really looking forward to because I suppose if I had my pick of the teams, probably would be to, to play Galway because I think it'll provide a really big challenge. 
and will that be open to the public buy tickets come along support like previous episodes of the, the show yeah exactly it'll be on in aim in dc park um so it'll be i, I i'm not sure of the kickoff time i'm sure that'll be announced um close to the day but definitely um we, the public are all all um, invited along and hopefully there'll be a big kind of crowd there because it'd be great to get behind. Well, obviously they, they'd probably support in Galway, but um, I think it'd be really kind of, an, hopefully an exciting game as well. And um, we'd be, be kind of looking to to hopefully get a result. I mean, it's, it's going to be difficult. Underdogs teams in the past haven't fared very well in the final game, um, but um, it's a difficult one. It is hard to know how we'll get on, but um, you know, we're putting the work in anyway, but it's, it's a funny one kind of trying to, to prepare to play against Guy when I've never done that before, obviously. You'll know nearly every player, and you'll know every player on the pitch, and it'll, it'll be it'll be it'll be weird going into the away dressing room in, in Amy DC Park. But like when you look at things like that, like you know playing against a, a top nat a top national league side live on TG Car, like does it show the importance of how how big the underdogs even do in a women's football series is for Irish football at the minute? Yeah, definitely, because I think um, in the past, like the, the interest wouldn't have been there really, um, you know, to watch women's soccer in, the, in this kind of way. Like, and I think just the, the kind of, it's a good year to do it as well off the back of the World Cup because um, just the general public are, are more interested. And I think even like that, they don't necessarily have to be fully invested in women's football just because of the nature of the show that um, like a lot of my friends who've absolutely no interest in soccer love the show. Um, you know, so they kind of it does kind of reach a lot of like a real widespread um of audience too. But definitely um I think it's a good year to do it and um it shows, yeah, it shows kind of the the investment and the willingness of TG Cahar and um you know to, to put it in and, and the work behind the scenes of their productions have been great. They're really kind of um I suppose they're well versed in how to do it now at this stage just because they've done so many series but um they're kind of always willing to, to take on board then the, the soccer specific stuff that maybe um myself Laura and Charlie might kind of be um trying to implement or that type of thing as well so um yeah it's been really enjoyable and definitely it's a good time I think to do it for women's soccer you mentioned yourself, Laura and Charlie. Obviously, Laura, I, I know from her time involved in the game, but Charlie's a new name to me, despite no well, he's a new face to me in women's football. I would know him from the men's side of the game. Um, who's in charge? What's the hierarchy there? Is it a team of managers or is are you the boss? Is Laura the boss? Is Charlie in charge? How how is that working? Charlie in charge. I didn't mean to say it like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's what's the, uh, the the hierarchy? Who who actually calls the shots when it comes down to the, the final game in, in terms of team selection? I think it's yeah, it's a three three man team, I suppose. Um it probably comes down to two on one team, Dave. Three person team. Three person, yeah, yeah, exactly. Flitting, correct. Um yeah, look, Vanishly up the like the management team really is is how we'd be referred to. So um it's yeah, it's a joint effort, I think. Um on any given day, I think, you know, one or either of us, you know, take take the lead a little bit and other days then another another one might take the lead, or it just kind of depends on, on different aspects of I think it's a really good balance because um, the others, particularly, they have such great experience in the game and um, coaching-wise, like you said, Charlie has a lot of, uh, he's a lot of coaching in the GA as well and men's um, men's soccer and Laura has years of experience behind her with the underage Irish teams and, um, you know, they're all, luckily we've all kind of um, agreed on, on how we would want to play and the formation that we want to play in the game and kind of we do see eye to eye in a lot of things. Um, yeah, when it comes down to having to name the starting eleven, I think that's going to be an interesting one. We actually have a Zoom tomorrow night, and um, we're going to try to 
to figure that out, which should be interesting, you know, to see because um, there, there are so many girls pushing um, to be in the starting 11. It's going to be really difficult, another difficult decision to make. But yeah, it's kind of, it's um, a team effort, I think, really. Without giving too much away, because I am aware that TG Carr won't want you giving away massive spoilers, uh, by the time most people uh, watch this or listen to this, they'll know it's Galway United they're going to play. But in terms of the squad size at the moment in in the real world, not in the in the TV episode, but what's the squad size now? Have you down from that 40 to a, a more manageable number? Um, yeah, on the um, yeah, I think it's around um, 30 or that type of thing now, I think. Um, I can't even remember back, sorry, to, but around that, and then, um, yeah, it's like one or two get get um, get caught each week, and there's, I think there's uh, five training camps altogether. So, uh, but the, I think the eliminations finish on the fourth training camp. So, um, at the moment now, obviously in real life, we're, we're down to our final squad, um, but yeah, in the show, we're just starting with the eliminations tonight. So, um, yeah, we still have quite a large squad because. Um, I thought, think it's kind of good for when we're training to have, you know, been able to be able to do 11 v 11 and that type of thing as well. So um, it'll be a large squad at the end. And unfortunately, not everyone will get to play, get on the pitch in the final game. But, um, you know, I suppose it is going to be a squad effort and um, kind of everyone is important, is as important as, the, as another, you know, on it. Does this scratch the knuckles or itch the knuckles a little bit, maybe to go down the coaching route in a more permanent capacity when the underdogs are finished because i know you've done your uefa b license does this maybe to give you that sort of edge to want to go down that route in the, in the next in the coming years um yeah definitely like de- down the line i don't think in the short term just again because of um kind of having to commit to, to been in one place for for a long time um it just um it's not something i want to do at the moment but um definitely yeah i'd love to love to coach um a lot more um i do a little bit now with salt of devon when i can um i always kind of would have taken a couple of teams in the past but at the moment to just um dip in and out of it because um i suppose looking back like i would have received a lot of really good coaching and kind of i'm i'd be grateful for for a lot of that coaching so it would would be nice to be able to be in a position then to to give back and um i'd love to do particularly with um salt of devon i think i'd like like to do a lot more then i've done a little bit with gainer cup teams as well in the past and that type of thing but um definitely i like um i think that the underage in particular is great because they're like sponges and they, they can you know take on a lot of information you can see a lot of change um very very quickly you know the younger you get them i think then the more scope there is for development and for improvement so i kind of um i do definitely enjoy working um, with that age group as well yeah, no, and Phil Trill doesn't have to be worried just yet. Uh, but don't don't wait around too long, Phil, or maybe be coming for your job. Uh, in terms of locally, let's bring it back to the league for a moment. Just we finish up, and as we have you, yeah, Galway played last night. Um, disappointingly, suppose from their point of view, uh, a former player came back to hunt them, Chloe Singleton, with a, a goal just on the half hour. Have, have you followed much of Galway's? I suppose you're you're scouting them now, but have you followed much of their league and their their season so far? Yeah, I have. Um, it's been kind of obviously they haven't played a game there there for a good while, and um, but yeah, they had a, a very positive I think start to the season, and, and they were going really well, and then hit hit a little dip. Um, I think and kind of have now settled into that mid table spot where we know 
we know when well or we know and we don't love but that's where we kind of seem to have always ended up um in the past kind of in that area of, of between fourth and, and sixth place i think at the moment they're a point ahead of, of fifth place so hopefully they can hang on to it although they do have difficult games i think they've played p mount and wexford in the last two games so um they'll definitely be, be um be challenges but yeah i've been following i've been in, in touch with obviously Lindsay a lot and um, been like it's great to see her still still um kicking the ball around and, and doing great she's kind of really led them really well this season i think especially with a lot of the, the new younger players in and um i think yeah they've been doing doing very well and it was nice to see them um like i said win the island cup as well the one difference the one the one disappointment about the underdogs is we won't see may have captain against Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> i was also going to ask you because um julianne russell has um, had her debut a couple of weeks ago for uh, galway uh, she's back in the game as well i met her on that trip up to um, America, I bumped into her, or not America, to the, um, to Lanza Road, Viva, I, I bumped into her on the way up at uh, filling station and uh, had a brief chat, uh, she was going up with the family and, uh, but it's nice to see her back on the field, you would have played a lot with her over the years, um, what's it like seeing players that you were friendly with still on the pitch doing their thing, um, and not just one or two of them, like, uh, I remember you played, uh, my first time probably meeting you would have been, we played you in a cup semi-final in, I want to say 2006, and yourself and Ifahi would have been part of that Galway team. Uh, it was with UCD at the time. And uh, I don't know if you remember the game, but you probably do. Uh, those kind of losing semifinals tend to stick in your craw, particularly when there's penalties involved. Um, but like Nicholas Sennett played in that game for UCD. She's still active in the league as well. And, and there's a few other bodies around that, both sides that are still playing. Um, there's some serious longevity in the sport. Yeah, definitely. Um, but even I do remember that game, but I remember we won the cup the following year, so it wasn't too too bad in, in hindsight, but still uh, at the time, yeah, losing the semifinals is, is never fun. But um, definitely there's longevity, like I said, and I think um, just the National League sort of provides that now as well, because if girls are based at home and um, you know they're settled, settled um, in one area, they can play in a, te- in a team for, for a long time. And um, I think it's really good and important, I suppose, like I said already, for the, the younger girls coming true to kind of see that and they can help them along um you know provide them with the experience and because um you, i think you need that in every successful team like you see you know in all, all the teams who are doing well um you know from, from um particularly in the top half of the table where they have a lot of they do have older players as well and um, bringing on the the younger less experienced players too um so yeah it's, it's nice to see them i um yeah i actually would have, have um kind of seen a lot of them up at that awards um or the cap presentation mean that night um as well so or that day so it was good to kind of catch up on them and yeah just discuss how far the women's game has come because obviously when we were growing up the league wasn't there yet so um i think you'll see girls playing in the league now for you know 15 uh 20 years even you know because that's what they'll be able to do because if the league is sustainable at this stage you know we know luckily it looks like the league is going to be around for a long time to come obviously it's not perfect in any way but um i think particularly the professionalism side of it, I think it's important not to go um, too fast with that because you don't want to see um, teams folding, um, you know, unnecessarily. So um, I think it's important that kind of we keep that sustainable model going for as long as we can. And to put it in context, that semi-final that we talked about, uh, we look now at the semi-finals with both of them having four-figure attendances and breaking records all over the place. That game probably played in front of friends and family. Like, there was definitely a lot of, I think it might have been, but it wasn't Salt Hill Devon, it might have been um, Merview, was it? Merview, yeah, I think, I think it was Merview. And, and like, it was, it was, there was no fence around the pitch. It was like a, a junior game. And, and to see it come so far in less than two decades is, is phenomenal. And, of course, the, the likes of yourself, Julianne, uh, Neve going on to the World Cup as well, like, 
a lot of players came through those teams and they were really the top sides in the country at the time. Um, but again, a nearly a decade before the league started. In terms of, uh, just to get it on the record, uh, there was another game played last night. Shamrock Rovers ran out winners in the... A double from Steph Zambra, who um, who uh, scored twice in the last ten minutes to make sure they won that game three one against um, oh, who the they were playing uh, DLO DLO yeah in Belfield. Um, this weekend's fixtures again, Maeve might just grab your opinion on them as we come into them. Galway United at home to P Mount. Uh, we've seen some crackers between these sides in recent years. Uh, can Galway put up one foot into that um, semi or the fourth place with um, with P Mount kind of? suppose in the home straight for the the title celebrations the week after yeah you'd hope so but um obviously Piedmont are, are the champions for a reason and they, they really they're, they're deserving champions I think this year they really a lot of people would have um wouldn't have expected them particularly with the the off-season um transfers and everything they wouldn't have expected Piedmont to win so a lot of people myself included I think we're, we're happy to see them win um this year but yeah, it's hard to know. Obviously, from a Galway perspective, you'd hope that maybe they're they're already getting the party started um, for the following weekend. But um, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one to call because it. Um, yeah, Galway obviously are, are trying to push on for that um, fourth place. So hopefully, um, they can get the job done. Or actually, our our camp this weekend is in Galway, so I think some of our our players might even get a chance to have a look at um, their future opposition there on the night as well. Of course, uh, full round of games uh, to be played. Wexford, uh, they travel to Athlone, Sligo. Um, they host uh, DLR Waves, Treaty and Shamrock Rovers and Shells and Bows, the Dublin Derby in the early kickoff. Worth noting, Treaty and, Treaty and Shamrock Rovers is also live on TG, on TG Carr, who have done a wonderful job. Maeve, I can't not ask this because it's something we, we've asked guests in recent, in recent and you're a prime example for someone who's playing the league for so long. Where would you like to see the league go to? Because over over we've seen it take steps, massive steps in the last couple of years. And you talked about maybe not rushing things. Where would you like to see the league go over the next couple of years? Um, I think I'd, I'd love to see, I suppose, slightly separate to it, but I'd love to see each of the, the clubs or, or the clubs that are in a position to kind of link in with their third level institutions and, and try to provide, um, you know, scholarship opportunities for girls. Uh, obviously Sky are doing a great job providing bursaries to national team players but personally I think that that might be better invested in girls who are on the fringes of the national team or who are struggling to keep a part-time job going while trying to play in the league and, and in college at the same time because I just think that that age group of kind of you know our 18 to 22 year olds it's, it's a huge um, kind of area where like I said if you put the investment in it could really benefit um, not only the girls themselves but also the national team as well because not every player, you know, is as good as the likes of Abby Larkin, who, who can go and play professionally at such a young age. And also a lot of girls don't want to do that because they they might value their education a lot. And I think it's important as female athletes that don't get the same, obviously, reimbursement as males, that, that education is so important. That a lot of them would choose, um, you know, the likes of Amber Bryant or, or that type, um, various other girls who would have chosen to do their degree first before um, pursuing a professional kind of career. So I think if we could try, um, you know, provide like uh, reimbursement of that, that type of way, that at least then um, you are, the girls are still, you know, getting some form of, of payment as such. Um, but just, I suppose it's really taken away the, the need to work part-time that at least then they can train um as full-time athletes you know as well so i think 
that side of it would be important and yeah if, if obviously if clubs are in a position to provide travel expenses and that type of thing to, to ease the burden on, on the girls as well or accommodation or uh, and that type of stuff um would be great as well but um i think like i said it's, it's small steps um are important not to jump too far ahead yeah your alma mater uh, university of Galway, as it is now um and billy clear your former boss as well have been making great strides they're one of many who are making great strides on that side yeah i, I mean even if you look back in 2006 myself and ifa you would have you know each um been um receiving two scholarships we received a scholarship from nuig and then we received a scholarship from the fai um, in addition to that so you know it really did help us um, in those times because neither of us worked when we were in college um, because of those um, you know additional funds that we were receiving so um, I think yeah it would be I think just it wouldn't have to be that much but I think small amounts definitely would help the girls out and um, yeah like I said sorry to cut across there just something no, no, I feel uh, strongly about and, and it's just small steps that can be taken you know to make a big difference. In the grand scheme of things, it's not massive money that would make a massive difference to the lives of these girls uh, from that key age, 18 to 21, 22, 23, when they're in third level education. And, and then they can go and have a decade in the professional game. They can do, as you did yourself, you spent a bit of time in Sweden uh, in the professional, I think it was uh, Ekelstuna, maybe you were at, was Yeah, pretty close. Like, yeah. The pronunciation of that? <laughs> yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, but so, like, you were yeah, there. We used to call it for a while. Yeah, you were there when Louise... Quinn was there at the same time yeah. you would have been so um I would have followed your progress there at, at the same time but it was a uh, like that is still an option at 22 23 as the likes of Amber Barrett found out um I suppose finally just to finish up on the underdogs it is on live on TG Carrot people who are watching this in real time in about 25 minutes do go put the kettle on get the snacks and tuck in for the last hour because it's going to be a great watch again if you're watching it on replay where can they find it the TG Carrot player yeah, exactly. Um, TGCarrier.ie. And then if, even if you just search uh, for TG Carrier Underdogs on um, the player, um, it'll, it'll show up there soon after the show. And like I said, for the likes of Aaron, who haven't uh, watched the first episode yet, it's available um, to watch. So yeah, you can, you can catch up on it anytime. But yeah, it's definitely worthwhile. The final that's where they can watch it but the final question yeah. i want to ask you because we all know some of the names uh you've mentioned some of them shauna jackson might have been a problem to that goal scoring issue for galway over the years had she uh, played in the league for longer than she did um Karen mullins we know these names the barbara connells who have been around for a decade or more within the sport but there's a couple of youngsters who are in that squad who maybe we haven't seen a whole pile of game time i know liam McHugh particularly impressed me both when she was at Sligo Rovers under 17 but also in friendlies against National League opposition for her for Con Rangers her club side in recent seasons and um, she stood out as a as a talent I'm sure she's not the only one are we likely to see players of that ilk make their way into the National League on the back of this or, or who who can we look out for in the, the 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 series that you think is going to make an impression yeah, I think so. Anyway, I mean, um, there's a lot of girls um, involved with Terran um, the club in Dublin, that they won the Intermediate Irish Cup um, this year. And a lot of those would be very close, you know, to if not having already played at, at the level, they'd be very close to it now. Even the likes of um, Kira Smith, the defender there that, with um, Terran Yore. And um, there, there, there's a lot of them. Like, I wouldn't be able to name, name them all. But like I said, Leah McHugh as well. Like, she would have come to trial with, with Galway WFC um, back in the day as well. And she was really close to it at that stage. Just, just maybe uh, slightly not, not ready. But I think definitely um, we'll see Like if, if it is what the girls want. I definitely would imagine that a few of them um, will be picked up by national league teams going into next season um, i think definitely they're they're at the level if they're not already at the level then they will be by by the end of the show as well so. 
Ian must have seen me tweeting about Kira Smith last week when she put the picture of Ian on the underdogs. Because <laughs> the one thing I tweeted last week was how no National League club was taking a chance on Kira Smith. Only last week I tweeted that. Yeah, yeah, she is. She's she's a great, great player, and um, you know, has that leadership as well. And even the likes of um, Jenny Claffey there as well. She would have played tennis for Ireland. Yeah, she's um, just taken up soccer in the last few years. And yeah, there, there's such a wide range of girls and girls from all around the country as well. Um, we have Haley from, from Limerick as well. And, you know, there, there's big representation of, of girls, um, not just from Dublin, um, just all, all throughout the country, which um, is important as well. And um, yeah, I think it's just going to be really good kind of for people to follow their journeys throughout it all the way up to that game, like I said, against Galway United on the 2nd of December. Get your tickets, watch the show. TJ Carroll Player, if you've missed it or you're watching us on repeat. Maeve, thanks so much for giving us the hour. I uh, hope you enjoy the show, watching it back again because it's it's fresh to you too, even though you're in it. Um, and as always, a pleasure to have you on the show and uh, we look forward to watching the, the, the actual series as it progresses through the rest of the year. And hopefully we'll see you in MDC Park in a month's time. Thanks a million. Thanks much. Aaron, again, as always, a pleasure. We'll sign off there and we'll talk to you again next week uh, for the second last show of the year, probably. Uh, let, get in touch if you want us to talk about anything in particular. We'll chat to you again then.